Well, as I promised, um, today we're going to start out with a little game, and uh, it's called Truth or Trash, and here's how it works. I'm going to share a few things, uh, statements from an app. If you have an iPad or an iPhone or a smart thing, uh, you can get this app. It's actually called Truth or Trash, and, and it's, it's interactive, and so I want everybody to be able to play along. So go ahead and get your, your red and green cards out and, and get those in your hands. Uh, basically how this happens is I'm going to read a statement. And if you think what I have read is truth, you will hold up a green card. So just pretend I said something true. Okay. Um, and so green card up high in the air. Very good. And then um, if I say something that you disagree with or you think is trash, which, you know, may or may not happen today, uh, <laughs> hold this up, the red card. Um, and so we're going to, we're kind of, it's, it's pretty simple. So, so here we go. First off, the words I speak are life or death. Is that truth or trash? Truth or trash? Whatever you think it is. And, and whatever the most cards that I see, that's the, the answer that I'm going to read. Um, I see a lot of greens out there. Okay, truth. Um, correct. Because it says we got it right. The Bible says every word we speak is either giving life or bringing death. Speak words of life. That's Proverbs 18, 21. Next one. My bad behavior makes God mad at me. Truth or trash? What do you think? Hold them up. Got to see. Ooh. Red, red, red. Okay, looks like, looks like trash. Correct. Man, you guys are good at this. You must have the app. When you were behaving badly, God sent his son as a sacrifice for you. Isaiah 43, 4 tells us that. Next one. I will have wisdom when I'm older. Truth or trash? Not me personally, you. That's not me. <laughs> yeah, that's confusing. I is you. You will have wisdom when you're older. Truth or trash? All right, we're, we're torn by that one. Um, all right, we'll go. I guess there's more red, so we'll go with trash. Correct. Uh, but First Timothy says in verse four, chapter 4, verse 12, don't look down on yourself when you are young. If you're seeking wisdom, he will give it to you. All right, we'll do a couple more. Wanting more stuff shows that I am ambitious. Truth or trash? Wanting more stuff shows that I am ambitious. All right, a lot of red up there, so we'll go with trash. Man, you guys are good. Philippians 4.11, we should learn to be content. There's a point to this, and we're going to get through it here in a minute. Jesus, name is above every name. Truth or trash? Truth. The name of Jesus is above every trouble you have. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11. Now, these are random. I just want you to know we've got a high score. We've we got 15 so far. You guys are good at this. I'm going to do one more. I have a new identity, God's child. Truth or trash? Yeah. When you uh, are baptized, when you become a Christian, you become God's child. John 1, 12 through 13. So keep those out because we're going to revisit those. But that is a fun app. It's, it's a good thing to, to check out. But truth or trash, that's, that's kind of where we're headed in this whole series. Uh, as we continue, I need to let you know um, the, just a few things about me. Um, so hold on to those cards. Uh, but actually, if you have your green card and you were born in the 70s, hold up your green card. If you were born in the 70s, anywhere from 70 to 78, if you were born, <laughs> nice, 
<laughs> some, some of you are holding up your green card, but that is not true. <laughs> Um, even if you were born in the late 60s, let's, if you were born in the late 60s and 70s, hold up your green card. All right. I was born in 1971. And so those of you who are in and around that area, you're like me. We are, we are magical children of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today. We are like easy listening for the world right here in this room. And as some of you are going to remember some things, some of you are going to remember when gas was almost free. Do you remember that when gas was almost free? I, I really do. Uh, you know, some of you remember when it was even more free than what I remember. Um, but I remember thinking it was Friday and I've got $15. I'm going to change the world. You know, that's a tank of gas, a, a movie and a quick meal somewhere. We were on it. Um, I remember, I'm going to share some things that I remember. I remember when gas was almost free. I remember Max Headroom. He was one of my favorite icons from the 80s. I remember him. Uh, I remember new kids on the block when they were just kids, all right, because they've come back around now. They're older than me, still calling themselves new kids on the block. So that verse about mature and wisdom may not quite work for them. Uh, <laughs> I remember, and this is a big deal for us uh, because uh, my son Dylan is a, is a type 1 diabetic. I remember when prepackaged foods didn't have ingredients and nutrition labels. And, and I couldn't imagine raising him then like we are now because we have to know carbs we have to know fat we have to know sugars we have to know all kinds of stuff and i remember when when not only did a jar of mayonnaise said ingredients mayo you know <laughs> uh that was it you went with it okay <laughs> restaurants didn't care restaurants didn't give you you know uh, the the reason the price of eating out has gone up is because all the menus had to change and include ingredients and calories and all that stuff so uh, but I appreciate it. It makes my job easier there. So I remember when nutrition information just wasn't listed. I actually remember when products didn't have warning labels. I think America was smarter then. Uh, coffee from a restaurant was supposed to be hot. You expected it, okay? You didn't have to put on my cup, caution, may be hot. Well, if it's not, I'm giving it back. <laughs> Paid four seventy-five for this. It better be hot. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I remember when most chewing tobacco was just a plug of tobacco that the old guy my dad knew kept in his bib overall pocket. Didn't even have a wrapper. The wrapper was another piece of tobacco. I remember that. I remember when cigarettes and cigars weren't fruit flavored. They, they weren't marketing to kids back then though, you know? I remember even when doctors smelled like tobacco. I remember when the packs of cigarettes and tobacco and, and all that stuff didn't have warnings on them either. Uh, Surgeon General didn't care about people back then, I guess. I remember, uh, it just seemed to me that everybody I knew growing up, friends, family, either smoked or chewed tobacco and, and drank something uh, other than soda, uh, <laughs> wine, beer, whatever. Uh, matter of fact, the preacher that baptized me when I was eight, I remember he smelled like pipe tobacco and peppermints. <laughs> That's what you remember. I'm standing there getting baptized. I'm like, I smell pipe tobacco and peppermints. You know, here's the thing. What's the point with this whole little jog down memory lane? Am I just coming clean? Nah. Am I, am I realizing that even now today, with all the warning labels on all of the fruity-flavored tobacco that's not marketed at kids, that's got to put that out. I was doing some research, and that's everybody, everybody not targeted at kids. Why is it a pineapple-flavored cigar then? <laughs> I understand it. It's not marketed at kids, but we as a country still spend a truckload of money 
willingly on poison that we give ourselves. You know, the cigarette industry spends billions each year on advertising and promotions. In 2011, they spent $8.37 billion on advertising and promotions. Makes you wonder what they brought in that year. Almost $23 million spent every day in 2011 on, on, the, on advertising and promotion for cigarettes and tobacco. And when you look at it like that, you think, wow, that's just crazy. Well, why would anyone pay good money to poison themselves? Especially with all the medical advancements we have, with all the understandings that we now have about the harmful effects of tobacco. We get it. Back in the 70s, we weren't as smart. You know, um, it's a good question. But we could pair it up with just about anything else in our life. I remember, because like I said, I just grew up with, with smoke in my house. Um, I didn't know really until I was in college. I went, went to college, got all checked in. and I'd been in college for a month or so. I went home and noticed the walls in my mom's house were kind of this color. <laughs> uh, not that dark. But they, there was a dinge that I didn't notice because we just grew up in it. And it was just comfort. And what I thought was home, I walked in, I was like, what's that smell? Oh, that's stale smoke. You know, there was this haze in the room. You know, we, we can put that with anything. I chose cigarettes and, and beer because that's what was around everybody in my family as I grew up. And those were things that I grew up. They didn't have warning labels. There wasn't, man, there weren't even seatbelt laws when I was in, in a kid. You know, you put all us kids in the back of a four-door car and one across the back dash. You know, <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> Now you can't get in a car. It's got signs everywhere. Don't let kids sit in the front. The airbag will kill them. Don't, you know, make sure they're in a booster seat until they're 16 and then give them a driver's license. (laughs) Warning labels. But why do we do that? Why would we willingly poison ourselves? Why would you continue to go to the tanning bed when you know it's harmful to your body? Why would I continue overeating when I know that it's bad for me? Why would I secretly look at porn when I know that it eats away at my marriage and, and, the, and it morally undermines the covenant of marriage? Why would I continue to support movies that promote things I don't agree with that I wouldn't watch in church? I'll tell you why. Because we've all become desensitized to the dangers around us. Like growing up in a house filled with smoke. I, I will tell you that when, when I finally came clean with my dad, I was about 13 and told him I'd been smoking since I was 8. And he started getting on me. And I said, well, I'm actually being more healthy by smoking myself because you were killing me with secondhand smoke. And he bought it. (laughs) Makes sense. You're buying them yourself, though. We willingly do that to ourselves. I can laugh about it, but it's it's what we do. We, We grow up thinking it's just the norm, and we become desensitized to these things. We become desensitized to the dangers around us. But this series that we're starting out with today, it's going to change that. Some of you may like it. Some of you may not. This series is called Soul Toxins. And I haven't, if I haven't made you uncomfortable with yourself yet, I will before this series is over. That's, that's your first warning, all right? And I don't have a warning label, but there it is. If you're not uncomfortable yet in the past, you will be by the time we get through this. And, and no, in case you're wondering, this series is not about smoking and drinking and drugs and stuff like that. That's not the point of this series. But it's a series about coming clean. It's a series about coming clean before God and becoming different. It, it comes with a second warning label that I need to share with you. And here it is. This series will change you. If you listen and if you apply God's word and his will to your situation and your life, this series will change you. 
Because you will begin to see the world through God's vision. You'll begin to see your life differently. You'll, be, you'll begin to see what was once comfortable as something more stagnant and, and not as comfortable. If you don't see those things, then I didn't do a good job. And so I hope that we see those things. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you, as I said before, for the fact that we live in a country where we have the freedom uh, to, to come and worship to read your word, to apply it to our lives, to live out what you would have us do. Lord, as we start off this series, this this series about soul toxins, I pray that you will open our hearts and our minds uh, so that we can be different, so that we can be cleansed, so that we can be changed, uh, not from anything clever that I might say, but from what your word says to us. I pray that you'll help us to set aside past or present or future things Right here, right now, we'll hear your words. You'll move in our hearts and our lives in this room. And we'll walk out of here a little bit different. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, I'm going to start out this series by just getting truthful. Uh, Getting truthful with you guys. You guys getting truthful with me. Getting truthful with yourselves. Getting truthful with your families. uh, Getting truthful with your friends and your accountability partners. That's pretty much your homework every week when you leave here on Sunday for the next few Sundays is just getting truthful, looking at where you're at in life in, in marriage and in life and in being a son or a daughter or a husband or a wife or a, a worker or an employee or a boss or whatever it is you are and just really opening yourself up and getting truthful with where you are. But most importantly, getting truthful with God. You see, we have an infection. It runs deep in all of us as Christians and, and throughout our world, but it, it does. It runs deep. We fight it. We fight it as best we can and but we all suffer from this, this infection. It's called deception. The deception infection. It's the reason that, that we refuse to tell ourselves the truth. It's the reason we, we sugarcoat everything. We, we put a little, little bit of a, a little sugar coating on it so it tastes better as we swallow down where we're at in life. We fight it. But, but it's the reason we refuse to tell ourselves the truth. Deception is the reason that we continually use other people as our standard for the norm and what's good and why we refuse to read the warning labels or the instructions, if you will. You see, in order to, to get well, we need a prescription. We need a cure for deception. And lucky for you, old Dr. Fat Rock has both. Quite simple. I was in college for seven years. A lot of people said I could have been a doctor, but I chose ministry instead. I have the prescription right here. We need to use God as our standard. We need to use his word as our instructions and our warning label when needed. This series is going to be tough. I'm not going to lie. I was talking with somebody earlier this week. I said, man, it's tough to write. I've changed this sermon twice this week because it's just tough. It's going to be tough to write. It's going to be tough to listen to. It's tough to preach. And it's going to be tough to respond to. But the reality is, brothers and sisters, we need a deep cleaning, church. That's what we need. We talk about we want God to bless America and we want to change things. It starts with us. We need a deep cleaning here. We need a cleansing. Back in the day, they'd call it revival. Remember that? The reality is, brothers and sisters, it's time for us to detox from all the poisons of mediocrity and deception that we tend to thrive on. And we do. I do it. 
and you do it. So we're all in the same group of poisoned people. All right, You're amongst fellow poisoned people because we do it. But it's time that we start a detox. And today we're going to start by telling ourselves the truth. We're going to start by moving away from the deception infection. Bill Walsh wrote this in the preface to the book, A Holy Ambition. He didn't write the book, but he wrote the preface. And here's what he wrote in there. He said, in the world, there is a theological dearth, a famine of sound resources, making the church susceptible to false teachings. In America, our problem is not one of famine, but of nourishment. We are weak from ignorantly choosing spiritual junk food, while huge stores of life-giving sustenance are at our fingertips. Man, that's harsh. We are weak from ignorantly choosing spiritual junk food while huge stores of life-giving sustenance are at our fingertips. I couldn't agree more, though. Listen, if the only Bible that you're getting is here on Sundays, if the only worship you're doing is in this building, that's the equivalent of eating out of the snack machine at work one day a week and expecting to be healthy and physically well. You can't do it. You can't sustain yourself physically on one good meal on Monday and make it all the way to Friday and be as healthy as you were on Monday. You can't do it. I love watching Survivor and, and all these, you know, series, the reality series where people go out and push themselves. You know, the body can only do so much with limited resources of food and water. But if spiritually speaking, if this is what you're filling up with 45 minutes and running out into the world and saying, here I am, Man, you're starved by Monday night, spiritually. Here's the thing. God told Solomon in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. We read this together earlier. You may not have known that's what you were reading. But he says this, And my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Truth or trash? Where are your cards at? You can even holler it out if you want. Truth or trash? There it is. Did you see what God told Solomon though? It's not just about being people of humility. We do that pretty well. You look really good today. Oh, it's okay. Thank you. (laughs) Appreciate it. You know, we we handle humility fairly well, But but it's more than that. He does say humble themselves. He says, if my people humble themselves. But he also says, pray. If my people pray. But he doesn't stop with humility and prayer, does he? He says, hey, humble yourself and pray. But we have a response to make to God's request. He says, humble ourselves, pray, and then seek his face. Seek his face. We must turn away from our wicked ways. Now, y'all just held up little green cards telling me that you believe this is the truth. The problem is that we're going to leave here today. And before the end of the week, the reality is we're probably going to treat these words as trash with our actions. That's the deception infection that starts with us. Uh, The problem here is not that we don't believe the scripture, but it's that we tend to believe that we're okay. And we're not. Well, I got this. I got prayer and humbleness. That's two out of three. That ain't bad. Wrote a song about it once. But it starts with us. We tend to believe we're okay and we're not. We go through life giving God as little as possible of our time, of our talents, of our money. 
of the things that he's given to us. And we find ourselves stuck in something. And we go, well, why is God allowing this? Or, or we say, why would God tempt me like this? Why is God allowing these things to happen in my family or at my work? Or why, why am I doing stupid things? Why am I being tempted? Why is God allowing that? But my friend James, he warns us about that deception as well. In James chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, he says, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. He himself does not tempt anyone. Verse 14, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Truth or trash? When are you tempted? Are you tempted when you're enticed and carried away by your own lust, or is it, is it God's fault? Only four people are answering my question. I know everybody has cards. I, I need to know. Truth or trash? You believe it? Thank you for holding up two green cards. That's, that's what I'm talking about. But here's a question. In this verse, these verses I just read, what is it for you? What is it for you? What's your lust? Is it cars? Is it money? Is it clothes? Is it success? Is it power? Is it respect? Is it being in charge? Is it telling others what to do? Is it, is it Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or the Internet? And the teenagers are going, hold on a second, I'm going to tweet about that. <laughs> the deception infection that we live and believe is that a Christian life lived in mediocrity is okay. That, that's it in a nutshell. That's our deception. That's the infection that we fight as individuals every day is that Christian mediocrity is okay. But it's not. We have to stop being comfortable with status quo Christianity. We have to stop believing that deception because here's the thing. Satan doesn't fear status quo Christians. You are no sweat to him. But he trembles when Christian warriors stand firm on our foundation of Jesus Christ. He trembles when we dare to be different. He doesn't like it when we preach and live against deception. And I'll tell you this. Another warning as we go through this series... Satan's going to fight back. He, we're going to go and we're going to call out all kinds of spiritual toxins over the next few weeks. Things that infect the church as a whole and Christians as individuals, not just deception. And he's going to try to confuse you. He's going to attack back. He's going to fight back. He's going to confuse you with things. He's going to try and tell you to block out what you're hearing. He's going to tell you things like, hey, Fat Rock doesn't know you. He can't say that about you. He's right. I don't know most of you, and what you struggle with. I don't know what you're tempted by. I don't know what's in your heart. But I know the things that tempt you may not tempt me. And the things that tempt me may not tempt you. And, and you don't know my heart any more than I know your heart, but I could tell you this, God does. God knows our hearts, and Satan knows how to deceive you. He even knows how to use your weakness against you. Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 9, says this, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. I like that one. And who, whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought. 
nor cease to yield fruit. Hey, let you know, things are going to happen, Christian. But it's okay. You stand firm. The heart, verse 9, is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. That's what God says. I, the Lord, search the heart and I test the mind. You know, I'm encouraged by that. By the way, red or green, is that truth or trash? Yeah, you guys are getting a little scared because you know I'm setting you up for something now. I've tested it out a little bit. Here's the thing. I'm encouraged by that. Who can understand the heart? Can you understand my heart? No, you can't. The Lord. God can understand my heart. He alone can search the heart. Here's the encouragement part. Satan doesn't understand your heart. He doesn't understand it. Because it doesn't say there, who can understand the heart? I, the Lord, and Satan. Satan can't understand your heart. He doesn't understand it. But he can deceive us. He can trick us. He can mislead us. He is the father of lies. But only God can understand our hearts. Truth or trash? Since God is the only one who can understand the heart, as we come to our response time today, I want you to ask him. Search your heart. Ask him to test your mind through this series. Ask him to do whatever he needs to do to make you different than who you were this morning when you got up. Ask him to reveal to you what your deception infection is. Because he's not going to trick you. He's not going to lie to you. But he is the one who can understand your heart. When you do this, Ask him to forgive you for that deception infection. Whatever it is you've, been just, you've become mediocre with, ask him to forgive you for it. You've allowed it to creep into our lives. We all do it. It's what makes repentance and rededication such an amazing thing, brothers and sisters. We get to that point. We realize God's going to show us who we need to be and what we need to be doing. And just like when David had a time of repentance, we can have a time of repentance as well, and he will set us right. Ask him to test your mind. Ask him to search your heart. Ask him to forgive you for the deception that you've allowed to creep into your life. For our response time today, this isn't just for one person. It's for all of us. Just simply ask God to open your eyes to the deception that's in your life. Ask him as we go through this series on soul toxins to cleanse your mind and cleanse your heart of whatever it is that you're lusting after. Ask God to give you strength to walk away from the physical toxins in your life if that's what you need to do so that you can get squared away on the spiritual toxins in your life, whatever they may be. We have warning labels on everything nowadays. And we know what's good for us and we know what's bad for us. Ask God to give you the strength to walk away from the toxic things in your life, whether they're spiritual, physical, mental, whatever it is, and ask him for the courage to turn to his word for advice and instruction and to follow it. Ask him to show you how the world looks through his eyes. My prayer for all of us this week is that God's vision will be our vision. Think on these things as we stand and sing and respond to what, God, to what we've heard from God's word today. You go ahead and stand and sing with us.